0: The ET Contact Experience. What is this all about? Is this about alien life experimenting with the human race to create a hybrid species? Is this about a plan to eventually extinguish Homo sapiens sapiens and replace us with them? Or Is this simply just about curiosity on the part of the ETs? Most importantly, what does the contact phenomenon have to do with us, maybe all of us? In a documentary film entitled Extraordinary, The Seeding, what is explored are those who are having ongoing ET contact experiences, deep, penetrating, and often disturbing experiences, and their journey to understanding the why of it all. But this is not just their journey, it's ours too. This is about the human story and one that heretofore has been greatly misunderstood. This new film is shining a light on the mystery that at some level involves us all. But to what extent I had a most fascinating discussion with the film's creators, Jack Roth and John Semple, about the moral, spiritual and psychological implications of such encounters, and why now it's time to embrace this reality in order to move into a paradigm of empathy, compassion and cooperation, one that may include ongoing encounters with non-human intelligence. To say we're living in extraordinary times, I think we can all agree would be an understatement. Many people on this planet are navigating extreme challenges, stresses, and uncertainty about the future. But there are other individuals, possibly many more than we know, that are living with a secret so large, so unfathomable, and to many unbelievable in its implications. We're talking about direct contact with non-human intelligence, ET if you will, We're talking about extreme abduction cases that include missing time and even missing pregnancies and the creation of hybrid children. I know this sounds clearly like a work of science fiction. But if you ask some of these individuals who are the experiencers of this phenomenon, some of which are featured in a documentary film we'll be discussing today, they will tell you that their experiences are anything but fiction. Not only are they real, they are life altering. Many are both tormented by and resigned to the fact that this connection with non-human intelligence has, is, and perhaps always will be a central part of their life, like it or not. Today, we're going to discuss some of these individuals and hear their stories as they were shared in a film co-produced by my guest today, Jack Roth and John Sumple of J3 Films. Their latest production, extraordinary, The Seating, gives a no holds barred look into the lives of these extraordinary individuals and their encounters with alien life. But first, let me welcome both Jack Roth and John Sumpel to Higher Journeys. Hey, guys, how are you?
1: Great. Thank
0: you. Great. Thank you. Good. Good to have you here. Well, listen, Extraordinary, The Seating, is the second in what will be a a trilogy. Your first film was Extraordinary, the Stan Romanek story, where you chronicled one man's incredible contact adventure, one that is said to be the most documented in the area of ET contact. Let me ask you, was it his story that made you both want to explore this phenomenon further and look into uh, other experience or accounts? Either one of you.
2: I'll jack on
1: this one.
0: (laughs) Uh, yes, we, we, uh, it
1: was, we were trying to, we were looking for an idea, a really good, compelling story, uh, to, cause we wanted to, we wanted to make a documentary and we, um, we were searching for content. We were looking for that really compelling story that we knew would resonate with people. And when we actually met some of the researchers on, uh, that were involved in Stan Romanik's case at the time, they were, uh, uh, there were some PhDs uh, that were doing research in that and it's also some really really well known UFO researchers who uh, were looking into it and we happened to meet them at a conference in Denver and uh, they said hey if you're looking for a really good story you've got to see this you've got to see some of the evidence associated with this guy mm-hmm. uh, and they proceeded to show it was a great story because I was out there doing doing some scouting on some story ideas and as soon as they we met after the conference was over at, at a diner i'll never forget it in denver and we sat there and they had their computer and they started showing me all this, this evidence from his case
0: you're talking and about stan so com- you're talking about stan Roman. Roman. okay
1: yes. I just want to be clear yeah uh and he there was it was so there was so much compelling evidence and so much evidence that included other people multiple eyewitnesses corroborative evidence uh and it just blew me away. And I, I called John, I think from the diner. Um, and I said, yeah. Hey man, we, we have our story. We've got to tell this story because it, it, it involved everything. It involved this one man's journey, uh, uh, through this harrowing experience of being abducted. But not only that, uh, it was it's kind of all the, all the things that go along with it. And it kind of ended with, these kids being in his life kind of calling him on the phone, these hybrid children that hmm. apparently were the result of all of these abductions. So, yes, the, the, w- that really got us going. We, I had always been interested in this subject matter. Uh, John was always open to it. Uh, and then I just kind of said, hey, John, man, this story, and he agreed, he was like, yeah, this story will be something that, that people want to see, because mm-hmm. it's just, it's unbelievable. It really is. It's, sure. it is I've seen it. Extraordinary. Yeah, it is
0: uh, you know. <clears throat> really quite the chronicling. You, you guys did a great job on that. Uh, you know, uh, call it unbelievable. Not, not in my parlance, of course, because I, I think that there's some meat to this clearly, but it, it's just, you know, the... Still, so many are just not acclimated to the reality of this, and obviously, we're going to get into this with the with the individuals that you interviewed for this uh, film. But can I uh, say something Abs- you specific sure
2: can. To, to that about uh, the Stan film? Um, one of the things that we had to go through during that process, and I think there's there's a lot of people out there who were under the impression that this was like you know the Stan film. This was his film, and he was getting it out there, and he was making money off of it, and he was perpetuating his hoax oh. type of thing. Oh. Not at all. That, that is not what happened. It was a matter of Jack sat down with Chuck Zukowski and Alejandro Rojas and they shared information with him and more information with him and showed pictures to him. And then he called me up and he said, I mean, I was on one knee practically clutching my chest. He said it was so overwhelming, mm. the evidence. So the process from there was we had to go and vet it. Sure. And when we started the conversation with Stam, he was extremely uh, reluctant to even talk to us because he had been taken advantage before uh, by television producers and even other documentary film uh, producers that were interested in his story. So it took us several weeks of phone calls for him to vet us and us to vet him to get to the point where we were comfortable about having a conversation about what would his story be. So that was that's an important part I think that people need to understand is that we didn't jump in there just to prepare stan's story because stan thought he had a good story to tell we sat down with him numerous phone calls before we agreed to even meet with him then we met with him for three days then we went back i think three or four months later and spent an entire week going over every single piece of evidence that he has kept and he had over 180 documented pieces of evidence at that time and we went over all of it of every video clip every a report document that he had just poured over everything. And we left from that that assessment saying there's enough here to tell a compelling story. Do we believe that all of this is aliens? No. Do we believe that some of this could be people perpetuating something on him? Yes. Do we believe maybe there's a little bit of, you know, a fish story? You know, the fish gets bigger and bigger every time you tell the story. Some component of that. But there was enough there to tell a story that was quite compelling. And really, it was a catalyst for us to start telling the human story, not necessarily Mm -hmm. focusing on the evidence, but a good portion of that Film talks about what it was like for the individuals associated with the phenomena, what they emotionally went through, yeah. which we felt was very, very important to. You know, there's not a lot out there that was sharing that, so that yeah. was a big. I just want to make that point clear. Thank you that for we didn't go into it yeah. willy nilly.
0: Right. No, I, I'm glad you you set the record straight on that, and I think I think many people do realize that there's so much intricacy that goes into any type of production, but particularly when you're talking about a subject that is so that you know people are dubious about to begin with, and because we live in a world uh, that's that's uh, predicated on sensationalism, I'm sure there's some people out there that might have thought otherwise. So thank you for clarifying that. There's something that you said, John, that I think is so important. Um, I mean, this movie, uh, Extraordinary, the Seating is about the human story. I'm glad that you said that because that's you know we were talking offline as as uh, we both know and talking about the 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 whole spectrum of the field of ufology. Implicit of that is the experiential, which I have always found, and you know my audience knows that this is really my area uh, that that kind of got me into this. Um, and we know that there are other discussions going on; they're all important because this is a big phenomenon. But the fact that the two of you have dedicated yourself in really both of these films. Uh, to having people really understand the raw emotion that's associated with something that is still so nebulous to so many people, um, but important. So we're going to get into that. So I thank you on behalf of uh, my audience. I thank you for for doing that, because I think you're doing a service to humanity. But listen, before we get deep into our discussion today, I'd like to show our audience the trailer from Extraordinary, and then we're going to dive right into a conversation. So have a look at this, and we'll be right back. Okay. Take a sip of water if you want. <laughs> Good start. Excellent.
1: Good job, Alexis. You are you are a pro. Yeah, oh, I love please. Setup. I was, I was like
2: fist-bumping here when you were doing that. that get was awesome. out
0: of here. Okay, stop. Right there. We're going to get right back into this. Don't get me. <laughs> Don't let me lose my voice here. Okay. <clears throat> One, two, three. Here we go. Well, you know, in the ufology community there's still so much debate as to the motivations of the ETs. Are they of good intent? Are they of evil intent? Are they neutral? Too many people, I feel, are still either all in one camp or another. But in this film, you just got a taste of it, there seemed to be a tone, not fully, but partially, of malevolent or selfish intent on the part of the ETs. What were you both left with after interviewing these individuals and experiencing some of that? Either one of you, both of you.
2: That's Jack, a hard. Why don't you start it off? Yeah, it would, yes. yeah. It's it's. Go ahead, Jack, because it's 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 a hard question It is answer. Mm. Yeah, it is.
1: And, and that gets into the whole idea of, and I know we're going to talk about this in a little while. The idea of the more you learn, the more you, you more, the more you don't know. Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and that's what happens. Like we go into this thinking one thing, and we try not to because we try to be objective. We approach this as journalists and filmmakers, and we just so you're looking at it objectively. But when you hear, when you're in front of someone who's crying, and saying that this happened to me, and mm. it, it and it and it was a, a negative experience uh and and an intrusive experience and a very intrusive experience um you can't help but think to yourself well there might be a lot more going on here there's not one answer that's what john and i talk about this all the time it's like there's got to be multiple things going on here there's got to be benevolent et's malevolent et's people have different agendas just like human beings have different agendas i truly believe at this point that the ETs have different agendas and, and, and a lot of it too, they might not realize that what they're doing is necessarily, they might not look at it as, uh, abducting someone is a really bad thing. They're looking at it as, as ultimately a really good thing for us, mm-hmm. but they're not looking at because they think differently. They not, mm-hmm. they might not be as, uh, emotional in some ways as we are. Right. So you have to take all that into consideration.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh,
2: can uh, can ahead, I John. tag on to that too? I think one of the things that um, is important there is, is that when you know, when we went into, anytime you go into a documentary film, you have an outline of what you want to accomplish. You don't have a story that you want to tell. You have an outline and you let that outline kind of uh, feed into the questions that you ask, but the story really rises from the answers and the responses and the passion and the compassion or lack of compassion, depending on who you're talking to, that comes through. And then you have 60 hours of footage to cobble down to an hour and 45 minutes, and you have to find the the heart of the story. And And really what we found was a different story. We were going to focus on the more on the unexplained pregnancy element and how prevalent that was. Mm. And we wound up finding that this was a plea from the people who have had experiences to an audience that might not completely understand or doesn't understand or doesn't really care about what has happened to individuals who have been experiencers because we have been conditioned over time that people who have had these experiences are some hillbillies from backwater, you know, uh, states or countries or you know their remote locations. They're not really educated, and it's like that, that's the furthest from the truth. Right. So we found out that the you know it was important to tell a story about individual people who could be your your next door neighbor, a family member, a best friend, uh, a coworker that is going through something you might not even know that this is happening. And that came through loud and clear as a result of what we captured during the initial interviews.
0: Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And this will lead in perfectly to the question I um, want to also pose to both of you. Uh, Jack, I think you know that my lecture back in January uh, raised the question of contact as a mass phenomenon. And I, in fact, interviewed one of the people you featured in your film, Yvonne Smith who tends to think that this is a much larger phenomenon than we may know I mean, she believes and she said this in the film that one in 50 people conservatively may have had direct contact with non-human intelligence. Uh, did that surprise you? I, I bring this up because of what you just said, John, in terms of people that um, it may be a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, your mom, or you. <laughs> if we're talking one in 50 people, some of the people that may be poo-pooing this may in fact be experiencers themselves and not know it. So, but when you heard that statistic, this is what she's arrived at. Did, did that surprise either of you? One in 50, that's a lot.
2: It's a huge number. And, yeah. and it, it makes you wonder oh, to what level is that contact and how much of it is conscious. Yes. You know, uh, some people have had experiences that uh, they don't know they had an experience until they see a film like this. Mm, And then they're kind of putting some dots together. Yeah. Trigger mechanisms. We we screened the film in um, Pasadena earlier this year. And I would say there was a lot of people who were connected to the film that were there, uh, as well as people who were friends of theirs. And it was a trigger event for a lot of people. Was it really? Uh, Yeah, there was a lot of tears shed during the film, and some of the people that we talked to afterwards said it was very difficult to watch certain parts of it because of how it made them feel, how it made them feel based on their own personal experiences, as well as individuals who we interviewed for the film. They said seeing it on the big screen, seeing themselves talking about it made it all the more real for them, and it was difficult. You know, for them to kind of watch it in not just because it's you up on the screen, but hearing your story told from you to you, uh-huh. it, it made it even it made it even seem more real uh, for all of them. And that's one of the things that we've found out through the course of uh, the making the first film in particular was when that film was released on Netflix uh, two years ago uh, in, in July, it it struck such a chord with people that we started getting t- tons, and I mean hundreds, probably close to a thousand messages, and still to this day we get messages from people saying, thank you so much for making this film, I realize that I'm not crazy, I realize that I'm not alone, I realize that something like this happened to me too, I have the evidence. So there's validation. So part of what we realize in making these films is that we're, we're putting something out in a uh, in a in a way that reaches a larger audience we're not pandering just to the people who already believe why send messages to people who already believe when our intention really is to share this type type of information with a global audience so that mm-hmm. people can understand a little bit better even if they haven't had an experience or know somebody's had an experience and if we can get this to a lo- large audience we get a whole different type of response to the film which is hey I've had something similar happen right. to me or I know somebody who's had a, has their story to tell
0: big trigger big yeah. trigger I, we're gonna talk more about this offline guys because I've got lots to <laughs> share but I think right there you know you're in the you're in the entertainment business, right? We're in the entertainment business to an extent. <clears throat> but when you start focusing on things that hit hit the masses, and I'm going to say the masses at a visceral level, as you have here, there's something else that you're to do, I think. Uh, this movie was not meant to entertain, but to inform and perhaps the word is trigger. There's something deep there, guys. Wow mm
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah well go ahead Jack you want to say something
1: no that- I, I mean I think the thing <clears throat> I think one of the most important things we've all learned through the last I don't know how many years John seven eight years of doing particularly going down this rabbit hole um, is that this is part of the human experience it truly is and whether you're a plumber from Idaho uh, a professional soccer player from sweden or a rickshaw driver from india it's all part of the human experience and we're and there's a connection we're all connected we really are and if someone is might have an abduction experience and someone might be having very strange dreams and someone might be having telepathic experience or there's there's hundreds of thousands of kids out there who have imaginary friends when they're growing up and they're having these strange experiences that they can't explain to them it maybe it's easier to explain until they they get older and then they can't you know they lose that innocence of that but i i have felt more of i, I you're right it is it's more than entertainment it's much more than entertainment and we feel like i don't want to say we're obligated but we feel like it's it's a sense of purpose Mm -hmm. when we're making these films to uh to share this message to share this message of humanity to humanity and say hey we're all in this together absolutely so it's not a question of oh i'm a debunker i don't believe that that's nonsense people are crazy well step back a little bit step back for a second have you ever in your entire life had any strange experience that you can't explain you know, and that's what connects all of us. And that's that's the one thing I truthfully, John, I could say this. This is even within the past couple of months. This has been hitting me hard uh-huh. because I've realized I've realized what this means. And it's it's incredible. But we're John and I and the rest of the J3 Films crew, uh, Lori Wagner and, and Jamie Cernoff, Patrick Lomantini and these incredible people we work with. We're this is something that's re- it, it's bigger than us. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's bigger than us, uh, and we're just we're just doing our thing. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We we really feel like we're on purpose with this. That's and John, great. I don't know if I, I don't like I don't want to speak for you, but I know sure. we've had no, these discussions. You know,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah It, it becomes it's you know we we when we first started the whole J three films, uh, we, we started working on the Stan Romanek story under a, a different production company. That production company uh, got. Kind of tired of some of the, the contractual issues that we were having with uh, getting Stan's story lined up. That they said we're done. So we uh, assumed the contract, brought in our uh, uh, Jamie Cernoff and formed J3 Films to kind of rescue a story that we had been working on for a couple of years. And uh, that kind of it, what the great thing about that was Jamie was like, "What do you guys need?" And we were like, "Well, we need some money." <laughs> <laughs> and he and basically said well i'll I'll help out in any way that I can. uh you know, can I be a part of the team or like absolutely, So his mindset was never, I believe in this stuff. He was a huge skeptic, but he was like, hey i, I want I wanna play, I want to be in this sandbox with you guys. It sounds like fun, but over the course of the last ten years, he had or uh, nine years, he has transformed. In his belief system because of what he's experienced by meeting the different people, uh-huh. having the conversations, understanding the, the true meaning of what has happened to these individuals as opposed to just hearing it. And I think that's a big thing for, for a lot of people is that, well, I only know the surface stuff and I'm going to use my what my, what, what my paradigm is to either accept it or dismiss it. And my big thing would be sit down and spend some time with these individuals. We spend a ton of time with the individuals that we talk to in our films. So uh, what we're presenting to you is the very best of what they had to offer. Uh, that doesn't mean that we, we we 100% believe everything that they say. It doesn't mean that we are uh, uh, cheerleaders for their story. What it means is that their story is really you know, it's real to them. Therefore, mm-hmm. we think it's important for people to understand that the realities that individuals go through might not be your own, but they shouldn't be dismissed. Absolutely. So, yeah. so, you know, going back to that whole idea, of the higher purpose, we don't really look at what we're doing as, as um, in all honesty, we don't look at it as work, we, we look at it as kind of like a purpose, you know, it, it's an intentional thing that we're doing here. And what we're, I think, uh, driven by is the work. Not uh-huh. the outcome, but the work, the sure. messages, what we le- you know, when we learn something profound as a result of going through making a film and we can take that and turn it into something that has an impact on individuals uh, all around the world, then that's huge. Our, our, our primary principles, kind of our, our, um, our guiding uh, mantra is to educate, entertain and enlighten, but bring it to the largest audience possible. And so the largest audience possible is a big selling point for us because we want to move these stories from the shadows into the light, not just tell stories that people who already believe consume. We right. want them to be something that becomes a, a national, a, a global conversation.
0: Absolutely. I'm thinking, John, as, one of the, as you were telling this, um, uh, one of the individuals that you interviewed, was it April? Was her name April?
2: April Malloy. Yes. Yes.
0: I'll never forget she said, Unless this happens to you, it's just a story. That was
2: Susan Bedell. Oh, that was Susan. Okay, I thought that was. That's one of my favorite lines from the whole movie. Mine too. Because of what it means to the individuals who've been through it. You can see it, you can hear it. Uh, the the details that they share about what has happened to them and how it has impacted them Mm -hmm. is profound. And we saw I, I, interviewing some of the people, I was holding back tears because sure. their their stories were so, I mean, emotional and and visceral. It just is hard to not you know in that moment be uh, overwhelmed by uh-huh. what what's being shared. Right. So it's really important that we get those 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 people uh, those stories out there so that people realize that that this is impacting their lives. It's not just another story. It's not another headline. It's a life affecting event for the individuals. And like Susan says, unless it happens to you, it's just a story. It's just a story. So, And maybe it yeah, has happened.
0: That's the point. Maybe it has happened to more people. So invariably, it's more than just a story. It's just a story mm-hmm. for people that maybe don't want to look in the mirror. There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot underneath underneath the surface. There. Let me bring in something. I want to bring in one of my one of my fave philosophers, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and you brilliantly wove in uh, uh, quotes from his very well known, uh, written in 1841, an essay called "Circles," which gives a philosophical view of how circular structures are found all throughout nature. I love this, and I'm familiar with that essay. I want to quote. Uh, this is a quote that you had at the top of your uh, of the film. Uh, it says. Quote, the natural world is a system of concentric circles, and we now and we know, I'm sorry, and we now and then detect in nature slight dislocations which apprise us that this surface on which we now stand is not fixed, but sliding. I'm going to read it again because I kind of screwed up. Let me get this right because it's important. (laughs) The natural world is a system of concentric circles, and we now and then detect in nature slight dislocations, which apprise us that this surface on which we now stand is not fixed, but sliding, end quote. I mean, I think the inference here is fairly clear in what's said, but tell us what you were looking to convey with this idea as it relates to our connection with the ET world.
2: Well, it starts with Richard Dolan when we interviewed him, um, and he was one of the first interviews for the film. Um, and we, uh, one of the first experts that we interviewed, we had interviewed a few of the experiencers, but he was the first expert that we interviewed. And he brought that up in a, um, uh, before we were, the cameras were rolling and talking about how once you, uh, you you push the paradigm to the point where you ask the questions and you get the answers and you think you have the answers, all that does is exponentially open up more questions so you know you think back in time and history and the point we're trying to make with that is every time the circle expands so does our our knowledge expands but also more questions are asked and you look back at you know the, the, the whole idea that that the Earth was flat, and the whole idea that the the Earth was the center of the of of the of the universe. These things were event believed by everybody at the time, but eventually disproven. But once those circles expanded, it 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 led to more and more questions. So for us to imagine that today we know everything, and all we have to do is look back to history, going back a hundred years, five hundred years, a thousand years. A couple of millennia, and we see the advancement that we have made as humanity based on technology, based on information, based on physics. Everything expands, and when it makes that giant leap of expansion, it opens up a whole new world. And really, what we're trying to get people to understand is that just imagine for a moment that this is all true. How does that change everything? How does that expand the circle? What questions do we then ask as a result of that? So the expanding circle is a theme throughout the film because we want people to think about, well, what if this is true? What does that mean to everything that we hold near and dear both individually based on the paradigm that we grew up with and you know, globally as, 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 as a world that is a dot, and a speck in a, universe, a vast universe?
0: Right. Well, all of what you're saying brings me back to something that I have said many times. In fact, when I was uh, speaking with our mutual colleague, Miguel Mendonza, when he actually interviewed me for his book, We Are the Disclosure, and asked me, what, what is this all about? And I said simply, the biggest discovery in all of this is self-discovery. So as we're making advances, trying to understand our world, our universe, we cannot uh, not try to understand ourselves in the process. Self-discovery, wouldn't you guys agree or no? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, absolutely, because we're the big question there is our evolution, right? And there's two ways to look at it. You look at our individual: are we evolving as individuals? And then, our are, are we evolving as a race, as human beings? And I, I think that that they go hand in hand to an extent, but absolutely, yeah. I think that when people um, You you ask these questions and you go through these things that you're going through, you have, you're naturally evolving because you're the experiences that you have and the experiences that you're having, they shape your paradigm. They shape your entire belief system. They shape who you are as a human being. And I think as you continue to evolve and have these experiences and open your mind to the possibilities. Uh, that are out there not only are you evolving in as an individual but as a result of that we're also evolving collectively because there's that idea of that collective conscious consciousness now we can get real deep here we already are getting deep with what some of the things we're talking about i don't want to get totally philosophical on this but i think the reality is is if uh, yes we are we are all evolving as we uh, have these experiences and open up to them. And then also evolving as an entire race, a human race. And, and that's the ultimate question, isn't it? Is, you know, I, I, I saw this movie recently and it was, it was an okay movie, you know, how you watch an okay movie, but there's one line in the movie that's just phenomenal. So you remember it. And it was, it was a movie about UFOs and, and in particular, this one boy who, uh, was a math genius and he wound up helping to solve this issue, this problem with some of the communication. It was a, it was a, actually a pretty good movie. I can't remember the name of it, but the one line in the movie he says there's, there's the three questions. The most important questions for human beings are, are we alone in the universe? Is there, there's three things. Is there a God? Are we alone in the universe? And what happens when we die? And whenever you're, Nothing else really matters when you think about it like that. Those questions answering one of those questions changes everything, changes everything. And we happen to be in that space. All of us right here as we speak, we're in that space. We're looking for the answers to those questions in in a way. Right. So that to me is it's just absolutely it's, it's 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 an evolution. But it's also a revolution, as John. John, you can pick it up from there because we talked about both of these things.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I, I go back to when we had we were working on some paranormal things, and we talked with a, a psychic medium who said that uh, what is happening in the world today is the 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 acceleration of information, is. Happening so quickly that people can't keep up to it, to the point where they're going to step back. She, and this was back in the mid ninety, mid to late nineties. She said, within the next twenty to uh, fifteen to twenty years, she says we're going to see a huge shift from people, uh, you know, wanting to um, uh, learn more stuff because they're just system overload, to moving away from that to focusing more on the big picture questions. And she specifically mentioned the three questions that Jack just said. So she her whole thing was that, you know over the next fifteen to twenty years, mankind, humanity, will move more towards the, okay, enough with all the information overload. Why are we here? What is our purpose? You know where do we what happens to us when we die? what is what is the essence of humanity, why we exist? So we kind of like going back to a philosophical state. So the evolution over the course of time has led us to a revolution. So to speak of, of of an understanding. So we're the the people who are doing the work that's being done right now in in ufology, in philosophy, in space technology and exploration is all about you know moving us to a, a more clear understanding of what those answers could potentially be. And then what happens when we get a little bit of information on any one of those, the circle expands and more questions need to be asked. We learn a little bit, but we have to then start asking more and more. And did we intend to do this from day one? No, we, we didn't. But did we discover that this is, this was our purpose in the process of, of going through specifically the second film, we realized that we were serving a much larger role than we first thought we were when we made the first film.
0: You had an epiphany along the way. And I think those we are did. the best. Those are the best. When you're, when you're, your heart is into something, and you've said it's, it's work, but it's I, I'll use uh, the term labor of love. Somehow, something that is greater than us perhaps takes over and guides us. And at some point, we have an epiphany and realize this was meant to be. So I'm glad the discussion's going in this direction. And I am glad for everyone out there, journeyers. I, I'm going to say two things. For everyone out there, journeyers, first, I want to apologize if you hear buzzing in the background. Jack, they've come back. They've come back. We're going to see if we can edit some of this out in post-production. But if you hear some buzzing in the background, what do you want? It's Mercury retrograde, guys, right? It had to happen. So I first want to apologize for that. Now, let's see if I can remember my second point, which I, I'm sure I've lost at this point. But whatever. Um, just just really good. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Now, for everyone out there, please, please, please. You've seen a heck of a teaser, right? Go get this film. We're going to talk about where, where we can where you can see it. And I want you to pay attention to those quotes that are peppered throughout the entire film. And they're all Emerson. They're all based on circles, right? I don't think you you digress from that at all. You stick with that. So what you're talking about ra- right now is uh, right on par with what you put out in this film, interspersed between these very highly charged emotional stories. So kudos on that, guys, really. Now, look, let's get into the meat of this film. We, I'm looking at the clock here. We got another 20, 25 minutes or so. And I want to get talking about this whole idea of reproduction experiments hybridization missing pregnancy anomalies and of course those who who are at the center of this the experiencers themselves this is absolute torment for many not all but for enough and we got a taste of that a sense of violation this has got to make for a very serious psychological factor out of all of the stories that you took in for this film i'm going to put you both on the spot which one was perhaps the most stunning or shocking to you? If if it's okay, and if it's too much, you don't have to answer. But I, I'd love to hear what what moved you, a specific one.
2: Oh gosh, I mean, we probably have different different responses. But I would say that you know my my personal, and we've talked about this. We've talked about it quite a bit. Jack and I can go down rabbit holes of philosophical discussions very easily on stuff like this but I think what was important for us is to find new stories not things that have been told before not things that are part of the part and parcel of uh, ufology uh, moving stage shows that go from, you know, city to city and, and, and tell the same stories from the same people. We wanted to find new, new blood, so to speak, new, new, fresh, new stories from people that haven't been heard from before. And we interviewed over 30 people in uh, in the screening process to determine who would be the best fit. And part of that was, are their stories compelling? How, how new is their story? And are they engaging Are they riveting? Are they uh, compelling? And the three principal people that we arrived in in the film have three very, very different stories. Rob Fullington, Mm -hmm. Geraldine Roscoe, and April Molloy, very, very different stories. April is very innocent. Her innocence just – even though she's been through – Some pretty serious things. She still has this kind of uh, uh, naivete and innocence, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I think it's a good thing. She was supported too. Not to cut
0: you off, but I remember. I think it was her mother that when she went to her mother, the mother said, "Can you draw what you what you're seeing?" Versus, "Oh, Mm -hmm. be quiet, kid. You're imagining." I'm sorry. I just wanted to put that in there. So her experience was different. That's true. Yeah.
2: And then you have someone like Geraldine, who has had profound experiences that transformed her life to the point where she's like, I need to do something good with this. I need to help other people who've been through what I've been through. And she gave up a six-figure career and she gave up a, a being engaged to her fiance. Uh, after a couple of regressions, she she quit her job and she ended her relationship and said, I need to dedicate my life to helping other people. So she channeled that energy into a good place. And then you had Rob who has who is struggling to truly understand what his, his metaf- metamorphosis or his impact... You know, is on humanity. is Is it an impact? Is it just something? he has? It, it, it those three things. So, I can't say that one stood out. They were so different in what it was that they portrayed to us, that they were uh, they were uh, visceral experiences to to, to go. Through through those interview processes and, and spend a day with them, uh, doing those interviews. We spent several hours with each one of them to really dive into a variety of different things. And I don't know about you, Jack, but they th- all, each of those three were affected me differently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's hard, not, it's hard for, to sit in front of people and interview them for that long and get to know them and not be affected by their stories. I will add this, and this is really interesting. And of course, John and I, we had a long discussion about this over a meal at some point. But we had one person uh, in the in this uh, documentary who I feel really added a lot. And what's interesting, too, is we had to black her out. It was almost like we were interviewing someone yes. who was in witness protection. Mm, uh, and I we remember. had to honor her wishes, but there was a good reason for that. Um, she's from a very, very, very small community, uh, in, is it Missouri, John?
2: Yeah. Southwestern Missouri,
1: S- Southwestern Missouri, where it is an extremely religious community, uh, uh, an extremely conservative community. And they had, uh, she talks a little bit about it in the film, but there's a whole documentary there. There's a whole story there that can be told. Uh, they had this UFO flap, uh, just a, a, which is basically a, a an enormous a, a large amount of UFO uh, type of phenomena and uh, high strangeness phenomena occurring in that little area for years and it went on for several years and you're talking about someone who grew up with uh, believing a certain paradigm she was brought up to uh, as a as a uh, a Christian uh, who believed in God who believed in you know the whole, the whole nine yards of that, right? That whole paradigm. And it was, again, a conservative community. And then all of a sudden, these experiences, she starts having these experiences. And what I thought was incredible about her story is, and she was very emotional, and she gets very emotional in the film. But one of the things that she had to deal with, the hardest thing for her to deal with was not just the fact that she was seeing ETs in her house and all these other things were going on around her, but that how did she explain that from the standpoint of her religious upbringing right. and she would say to herself god wouldn't allow that to happen think about trying to come to terms with that as someone who has grown up a certain way and and, and we all have this is what we're talking about we're talking about having uh, having these paradigms as as people who grew up in the United States and the institutions that we trusted as we, when we were kids, or that our parents most certainly trusted as baby boomers, uh, that you just trust these institutions, you trust the government, you trust the church. These are these are facts. These are things that are facts. Then all of a sudden, she's 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 confronted with this incredible a uh, paradigm shift that she has to deal with because it doesn't make sense anymore. This has nothing to do. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't jive what she's learned in church or what God would say is right or wrong. And that is something that people don't, that's never talked about when people talk about people who have experiences, how they deal with it, how they deal with it based on how they were raised, how they grew up in the belief system that they currently have. And that's something
0: that's just, it messes them up. It's paradigm off. shattering. Absolutely. Shattering. And that's got to be that's a lot of people. Or, well, this is right. where we get into the, the denial factor and and perhaps self-imposed screen memory. You know, that's a big deal. Look, I mean, imagine uh, growing up as you, and thanks for explaining that because I didn't know that background for, for her. Um, and I do recall the individual you were talking about that was blacked out, but Think of the individuals who are so heavily indoctrinated and still there are many faithful as they they're called um, bless them. And then something like this comes along and it, I hear from some of these people that are just at wits end. What, I don't know what bucket to put this in. So they don't they don't put it in any bucket or they, they just deny it. This could count for a lot of those people that we were talking about earlier that maybe experiencers and aren't aware of it because they're screening it yes. from themselves. This is where well, the psychology a, we're talking about comes yeah, in. There's an important
2: part to her story, too, is that as a result of those things happening to her, she started asking questions, questions of family members and, and found out that other people in her family had had experiences but never talked about them, found out that there's connections to the military, found out that there's connections to crash site retrieval that blew her away, things that she had never known before. But once this happened to her, she started asking questions. And that's really a big, important part of this film, too, is that uh, whether you've had the experience or not, you can still ask questions. You know, sometimes when you ask questions, you might be surprised at what you find. And sometimes you might meet, meet roadblocks to, uh, to us. The best thing that anybody could do is ask a question and be told, don't push back on that or or we can't answer that question or some category categorical uh, denouncement of, of something that should be a clear indicator to people that there's more to this than we've been led to believe. So we, we want to encourage people, these films are intended to scratch the surface, present you with enough enough information to ha- cause you to go, hmm, maybe I should do a little bit more research on this. Maybe I should look into this a little bit more. And then go do the deeper dive on your own, because when you do, you'll find things that you you can't, possibly fathom or imagine have happened or are happening or will happen as a result of uh, the research that you do that's how i got involved with this when jack told me about stan's story i wasn't a dyed in the wool ufologist doing research, reading about things. But I said, well, I, I should probably kind of get myself up to speed. And I started, I went to Project Camelot website, and I spent, I think it was three days nonstop, about 15 <laughs> to 17 hours a There's day. There's a lot of content videos. there.
0: Watching Carrie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. And
2: I was, hmm. and I was, I was, I, my, my head was spinning by the time I was done. And what I realized then was there was a lot that I didn't know. So one of the things that I bring into this, we have where Jack and I are really good in this is is that Jack does a ton of research, has a ton of knowledge already. And I try to keep that sense of wonder and innocence. And I don't try to do too, too much uh, research so that I have a preconceived notion. So there's there have been times when I've asked questions to some of the interviewers, they're probably, did you do any research? And I'm like, no, not really, because I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to come at this from the audience's perspective. I don't want to have a narrative predetermined in my mind. I want, to, I want to have that sense of wonder when I go into that. But I have tremendous support from the work that Jack does to say, here's, here's the framework. Here's what you need to know going in. And then we, we are able to get unbelievable answers as a result of not just feeding lines to get the answers that we want, but asking questions that we think the audience would be interested in.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. Wow, this is I'm so glad this conversation is going in this direction. And I I say this all the time to the journeyers out there, my audience, I call them journeyers. Before every show, I say, Dear God, let this go, this conversation go where it needs to go in order to touch the people that will be listening. And I have a feeling we're touching some people, I have a feeling we're triggering some people today, just a thought. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. that our conversation is leaned in this direction. Very important. The work continues. However, I do want (laughs) to, looking at the clock, about 10 minutes left, countdown time, I want to touch on the ET human hybrid scenario, because this, as well as the missing pregnancy, of course, it goes together, missing pregnancies, I should say, uh, is really a, a focal point in your film. Very, very perplexing, and yet seemingly, possibly ubiquitous phenomenon, this idea of ET human hybrids. And it's not just being offered up anecdotally by the experiencers themselves. They're are some in academia who are now starting to look into the reality of this quite seriously and one of them is an oxford professor i don't know if you've heard of him name uh, dr chi dr young hai chi sure. right he believes mm-hmm. that hybrid humans are walking amongst us right now and his hypothesis includes the idea that they're here to help steer our planet in a more positive direction uh, addressing and stopping things like climate change and other disasters now, clearly, you know, some of his peers and many others uh, may think he's a bit, quote, out there, to say the least. But the fact is that this is being discussed a bit more now. So after your lengthy interviews with these individuals in your film, what are your thoughts on the possibility that this may be happening? I mean, we are I'm kind of going back to we're kind of talking about the same thing. But what, what are your personal feelings about it? Do you think that there are hybrids walking amongst us?
1: <laughs> That's such a That's a great question. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I love that question because it's it's really to to me this this is the why of it all. The why Um, there have been books written by brilliant people, uh, John Mack, Bud Hopkins, go on and on about the the what of abduction, Mm -hmm. the how of how are people abducted, what are some of the things that we're learning about you know what tends to happen when what are some of the tendencies what are hap- what's happening when people are being abducted how are they being abducted um, when are they being abducted at night during the day when they're driving whatever but why why are they being abducted That's why the are scene. they being experimented with why is this happening and when we were when we got to the end of Stan Romanick's story the end game of that i right? say i hate to use end game because it's that that's a very finite thing, but the result of Stan's experiences were these kids, were these Mm. hybrid children calling him on the phone, calling him daddy, saying they're calling from really long distances and they're sorry they can't connect more, but blah, 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 whatever they were saying. And there's some photos of these hybrid children uh, that people can debate all day and all night if they want to, but these photos exist. So for us we were like and I told John I'm like well if if we continue with the trilogy it's that's that's it's that's the why of it so okay and of, we we touched on this but now we found out when we started to talk to more and more people that these women a lot of women were having these false pregnancies they were having uh these pregnancies that ended you know before the first term and they were having uh, but there was no evidence of miscarriage. So there was all these very strange, and they were also having obviously abduction experiences at the same time. So, for John and I, it was almost like a logical next step. why? So, but I, to answer your question, um, again, we have to try to be as, as objective as we, as we possibly can be. But truthfully, objectively, from everything that we've learned and all the people we've spoken to and all the information we've seen, This seems to be why people are being abducted is because of these hybridization experiments uh, for and now why that and again, well, why would they do that? We don't know all the answers to that. There are several theories. Some are very good as far as being uh, benevolent and and good for the human race. Some are very bad for the human race, uh, as as people like David Jacobs would say. They're not. This is not a good end for us. This is not a good thing that's happening. So it depends on who you talk to, but I do believe that there is there are hybrid. There is a hybridization. There are probably more than one hybridization programs that have been happening for quite some time.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. What about you, John?
2: I think that um, we have to uh, hold in our our mindset, our paradigm, the 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 whole idea of, of uh, something that we're not familiar with. I mean, I, I'll go back to the you know the whole idea of flat Earth and you know having an Earth centric uh, uh, universe. People believe that, and then until something came along that had them think otherwise and if enough people are sharing stories that have been sharing stories for decades that have corroborative evidence some in uh, remote areas that have no exposure to the internet or to television but share similar stories that of, of other people who've, who've shared the same experience you know this collective shared experience when you have corroborative evidence coming from all four corners of the globe you have to stop and think a little bit and start to say should we give more credence to these stories or should we just dismiss them Mm -hmm. Uh, what we're trying to do is give more more credence to them so that more and more people say you know think about this in a way that maybe they hadn't before because they'd never been exposed to this possibility so this film is going to be I think surprising to a lot of people and some people will dismiss it right away because they think that the content is just way too out there but if you have individuals telling compelling stories about what happened to them and they believe it to be true who are we to question them Mm -hmm. right so i think it's important to hold that space absolutely uh, possibility wonder as opposed to just i i I know what is i know what isn't and i am going to be steadfast in that belief system until what until somebody comes along and tells you you're wrong now i've used this before you know a little bit from the faith-based thing and i'm sure you know feel free to send me hate mail as a result of this but what's the difference between organized religion and ufology belief systems right Right. They're they're faith-based. Absolutely. Until there's yeah. proof, they're faith-based. So you can't sit there and say that one side of the equation is right or wrong because they're steadfast in their belief systems. Until something comes along to prove it, you know, empirical proof. I had a scientist friend who said she, when she saw the film, she goes, these are great stories, but there's no empirical proof there. And I'm like, there's no empirical proof in religion either, but yet millions of people... Believe in organized religion, whatever form it takes. So, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't explore these things. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't examine what we've been told to believe or led to believe. Or, you know, when we live in an environment where we're conditioned to a certain belief system why should we embrace that just because why can't we ask questions? Why can't we ponder the possibilities that what we've been led to believe may not be true because there's been time and time again, Ralph Waldo Emerson's circles explains it very clearly that every time there is a better understanding, everything changes Mm -hmm. and it's usually for the better.
0: Right. Well, I have one thing to say to that and I've said it many times. So audience indulge me again seeing is believing maybe believing but experiencing is knowing seek to experience and you will never have to believe again seek to experience and you'll never have to believe again to me belief has always implied doubt when we talk about belief systems do you know what the the antonym to belief is either one of you truth yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm right so There you go on that. Okay, let's. What we got to wind this up. I had to get that in there because you just. You just. I have a question for you. (laughs) Okay, turn the tables for a minute. The minute we have left, go ahead.
2: Have you seen the film? I have, and
0: I love it. Oh, come on now, guys. That was just. That was a leading question. (laughs) Well, I just thought it was.
2: I just think it's important, you know, that a lot of this conversation. So that people understand I, the context n- of our conversation. Absolutely. Is Look, that you saw the film?
0: I had to. I was I'm honored that you gave me the opportunity both of you. Thank you so much to to screen it in full. And I you know, there's a lot of stuff there, guys. I'm going to I'm going to go on the record and say go see it. For the re- for the things that we have discussed today should be enough. I don't even want to say teaser. Enough to make you inquisitive, enough to want to go go see this. This is it, it it can be a tearjerker. It's something that will catch your attention. It's something that's going to make you think, did I have an epiphany or two or 10 while I was watching it yesterday? Mm-hmm. I'll leave it there. It's necessary for people to see this film, frankly. Because it's important, because like you said, it's about the human story. And there's not one of us that's not a part of the human story. So there you go. Let's end on this. Was that good? For did I answer that your question? Was awesome. Okay, that's <laughs> yeah, the answer of the day. <laughs> uh, let's transition to this, and we're going to close on this. And this is, yeah, uh, 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 it could be kind of a deep dive question, but we'll see if we can get a little bit of a summary from both of you. Given all that's happening right now, even in the mainstream media, with you know revelations about U.F. Uh, official UFO monitoring activity, the recent Wilson leak document at Al coupled with these very serious and complex experiencer accounts, although they seem to be on different opposite ends of the spectrum, and anecdotal as the experiencer accounts may be, do you guys think that we're definitely headed towards some mass, I'm not going to use the D word, forget the D word, I'm going to say mass revelation in this regard in the near term.
1: All I'll say to that is that we are the disclosure. How about
0: you, John? Yeah, had
2: the same thing. I was exactly what I was going to say, and we talked <laughs> about that. We talked about that as a result of uh, one of the interviews uh, mm-hmm. we had with Geraldine, and that was one of the things she said. We can't. Re- Why are we waiting? Right. <laughs> Why are we waiting for a, a government? You, you know, s- that, if someone who is in leadership has never had an experience, what is compelling them to provide an answer?
0: There you go. There you the, go. The
2: people who are having the experiences are the ones who have the answers. Right. Listen right. to them.
1: Right. And yeah. I have to say, I have to add this, Alexis, real quick, that that is the, the title of a dear friend of ours, Miguel Mendonza's book. I know.
0: I know <laughs> that. because
1: a, re- a ton of research, <laughs> and you're in it, right? I'm in that. it. Or... I know all about the book. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's a great, you know, th- this great work from him. And it's, it's, just, true. it's true, though. We are the disclosure.
0: We are. And maybe at some point we'll have a collective epiphany and say, hey, you know what? That's right. We are the disclosure. So we're going to leave it on on that note. But before we do, we got to tell people where they can see the film. Is it available on Netflix yet? Or is it going to be?
2: We have no idea about that. What we do know for a fact right now is that the film will release at 12.01 uh, a.m. on the 3rd of September. Ooh. And that will be available on digital platforms globally. It's, I think it's like 25 to 30 different digital platforms oh, in 125 fantastic. different countries. So it will be available. I know it will be available in a couple of different uh, languages as well. Oh, Spanish beautiful. definitely. I don't know if the, what the other one is for sure right now, but th- it will be available in a couple of different languages uh, and subtitles. Uh, so when that happens, right, it's going to be available on digital platforms like uh, Apple uh, or iTunes, Apple TV, uh, uh, Google Play. Uh, I, I believe uh, um, not Amazon Prime, but Amazon regular Amazon, uh, so that you can have a digital digital VOD or download. And a a variety of other different platforms, gaming platforms. It may be available on pay-per-view for some cable networks as well. It depends on how it gets picked up through the process of distribution. I love it. So that's the starting point for us. Uh, Hopefully what happens from there is that our distributor, 1091 Media, then talks to the content management platforms to say who's interested in in securing the rights uh, to this film for the purposes of Living on their platform. So there will be conversations with Netflix and and Amazon Prime and uh, Hulu and Gaia TV. and there's so many new content providers coming on board too that I'm sure those will be discussed as well. So we have no guarantees of it landing somewhere. We're hopeful that it will, but uh, we we can't even, you know get our wrap our our brains around that because uh-huh. that's not part of 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 where, our opportunity is to spread the word right, right. now it's digital platforms There you go. so we encourage everybody to to visit our website go ahead J3 and give films. it out go ahead and do it j3films.com okay. uh, we have a projects page on there and the, the two projects that we have completed the uh, the Stan Romanek film and the seating are both there and you can see a little bit more about both of those there we we, we have more in the works but now we're just focused on those two films I love it. as as the things that we've created and I highly recommend if you're interested in following along on the latest and greatest uh, that we uh, that you go and visit our Facebook page so that's facebook.com/. Slash EX 2 the seating so that will okay. bring you to our Facebook page like it follow us uh, you'll see things like the post that went up last week that un- said that we've been accepted into 13 different film festivals we've won best documentary Yay! in four that's
0: good so, stuff excellent well we'll yeah. make sure we'll have links to to both we'll have all okay. the pertinent links for sure for the journeyers out there Well, listen, speaking of the journeyers, I want to remind you all, if you enjoyed this episode, and particularly if you know someone that might resonate with what you heard today, I urge you to like and share this content with your circle of friends and family. Are you an experiencer? Do you know someone who you think may have had a contact experience? Well, if so, please do share this episode so we can begin to have a larger and more serious discussion about this like we did today. This is a serious phenomenon and uh, we do need to be talking more about it in this context. So, and of course, let me just add, If you enjoy Higher Journeys, I invite you to subscribe. You know what to do. Hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. I always laugh when I read this because this is what they have us journalists doing these days. But go ahead and do it. Join (laughs) Higher Journeys so you can hear more content on things like this. We have brand new episodes each and every week. Jack Roth, John Sumble, thank you. Thank you so, so much much. for your incredible work. And keep up the good work. We'll be talking about this. Let's do it again. We will. We (laughs) shall. All right. Thanks, guys. And thank you, Journeyers, as always, for joining Higher Journeys. We'll talk to you real soon. Take care.